When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Yeah, yeah, what do you want? Beak or jaws, feathers or fur, sharp teeth or feet with claws, whatever's preferred. They'll grant you all last requests to steady your nerves, then podcast the body parts, get severed and served. Bring your weak shit where the wolf and owler. That ain't just a mistake, that's an awful howler. Both of them are known to pull up at your shows, have the crowd witnessing the murder like they rolled in with a gang of crows. Fuck the censorship, let them see the whole thing. They stay dressed to kill, never sheep's clothing. Dark enough to turn the sun to the moon, you'll see nothing. All you hear's a half a puff and a Expect killings, red spilling and flesh ripping Impressive in it, the death bringing his head spinning Just kidding, every word in his song's about two grown men Dressed up as a bird and a dog Welcome once again as we're inside the ride for the Wolf and Our podcast Cheer boy chicken, what are you saying now? <laughs> You know the openings of these are the bits I find like the most like how it's basically like the opening of doing stand up, isn't it? You just got to keep reinventing the wheel and find I, something. I, 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 I yeah. fucking I I hate starting a stand up gig, man. Oh, I, I man. really hate it. You sort of walk out and go, "Like, we all right? Yeah, we all right?" Oh God. Yeah. So right. You've got to try and slide into stand up or slide into something like this, like you would if you'd been invited to a dinner party with a load of people you don't know. Yeah. And that would not be the way you'd end up. I know. <laughs> Just so Imagine mental. If you went to a dinner party of people that you didn't know and you're like, whoa, what's happening? How's everybody? <laughs> I get it. I get oh, it. I look at yeah. What's happened to Greg Davis, right? Yeah. <laughs> not been to uh, Oxted before, but let me tell you, bit of a shit up. <laughs> Yeah, man, and because the thing is, is that stand up is such a it's such a weird thing anyway. The idea of it that you just talk out loud about what, whatever's in your head for an hour, hour and a half that's mental. Yeah. But once you're in the middle of it, you don't think of it as being mental. But when you start, when you walk out, that beginning bit, oh god, can really fucking I set it the tone. Quite nice in a way. The one thing I miss about stand up is that it's doing stories and just you can just tell your stories because me and you at this week we were uh, filming so we're yeah but listen it's it's all up in the balance here because i'm going to be straight out of you normally when we do wolf for now we haven't really spoke we have spoken to each other we text each other all the time pretty much yeah, every yeah. day i think but we haven't seen each other whereas now i mean this could be the driest fucking episode of this podcast we've seen a lot of each other we've seen a lot a lot yeah a lot and it's been it's it's been it's a been lot. as sweet as sweet Listen, I've seen you in so many different guises this week. I've seen, I saw Storyteller Ron, which is always an, an amazing thing, right? I saw sort of like quite a sort of like sensitive, sultry Ron, which is always a sweet sort of um, sexy Ron was there for a little bit, yeah? 
um, it was, it was, yeah, it was a hell of a like sort of an array of rommeshes. It, it reminded me of why I hold you so high in such high regard within my heart. Speaking of, uh, first of all, I, I'm just sort of moving beyond that little sort of bullshit monologue you just did. But speaking of, <laughs> I mean that. speaking of um, anecdote, Rob, we did find yeah. that we did find ourselves in a situation where, and and I, this is a weird. I don't know if anybody else does this, but. You and I were in a social situation at the end of one yeah. day's filming, right? We're all having a chat and everybody's sort of throwing in anecdotes and talking about and relating to each other. It's very nice, you know, very nice chat or whatever. But inevitably, as always happens in these things, I start to worry about how I'm doing in this, in the conversation, <laughs> right? Particularly as it's like, I, I don't know. I, I know you and James really well. And there's other people, there's other people there that I, I, I don't know as well. And so... You sort of do do these little stories, and, he, and then what happens is I don't know if other people I don't know if you do this. You know when you tell a story or you say something, and then you really fucking analyse how people have responded to that to see if what you've said has fit in with yeah. the general theme of the conversation, right? Now, so we, we did th- we had this conversation. And then this is how fucking pathetic you and I are. Afterwards, everybody says good night, and we go to our rooms, and then we have a little text conversation <laughs> to just reassure each other. That we did all right. You know what it is, right? We've been we've been doing this now, and we've been doing like so. Me and you have been doing this intensely, like this. Me and you talking for like a year, right? Yeah. Since the Instagram lives, and and then into this, so it's been like a year of us doing this, where we've only really been telling. You know, obviously we've seen other people. That was the first time. That's probably as close as we've both been to like a, a, a sort of live gig for quite some time. And then the the trouble is, you're judged as being your stories to to be the funniest stories because that's what we do for a living i i genuinely you know where i found it really really hard yeah is like where it went really deep and everyone started talking like about really deep stuff and i'm like oh my god i did not see this coming i know it switched up pretty quick as well right yeah 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 out of nowhere one minute i'm telling a story which like i'm like well this is killing and then the next minute it it got into and i've got to say man you you changed very quickly into the deep mode i was like oh wow wow you were real, like yeah. Does it feel you were like you know, you know what that um, that feels like a kind. What you're saying is I'm some sort of chameleon piece of shit. Do you know what I mean? That? No, no, you're not a chameleon. I'm just saying you can you can hustle in. Like if you were a cowboy, right? You could go to any town, I think, and you'd be pretty all right. You you sort of do you know what I mean? I guess in a way you'd be sort of like quite inoffensive guy that sort of turns up with a pocket watch and sort of like a pistol. Is this what is what you do? No, that's All a compliment. The Quite an inoffensive guy that turns up with a pocket watch. That's that's everyone's <laughs> favourite guy in a western, isn't it? No. Have you seen right, Have you seen no. that classic film, F- Fistful of Timepiece? That guy that's the guy that's always got, he's always looking at his pocket watch. Howdy there, partner. What do you got there? Well, I got myself a diddly little timepiece. <laughs> Well, you can go on in there, fella. You seem an inoffensive kind of man. <laughs> <laughs> Little bowler hat. Oh, God. Do you like Westerns? I love Westerns, yeah. My mum and dad used to love them, right? But what I used to find is, if you're sort of dipping in and out of them, I remember, like, I'd come up, I'd be upstairs, and I'd go downstairs to have a look, like, just to say hello, to chat to them, whatever. And one, they feel like they go on for fucking ever. Yeah, and yeah. two, they don't ever feel like they've moved on from point to point. If you're dipping in and out of them, it's just like the same fucking scene throughout for three hours or some shit, man. I think that's a lot, a lot of period things. What you have to remember is life was fucking boring in the olden days. 
and it's really hard to sort of like have a dynamic of stuff unless you talk picking a big part. My dad said like some of my happiest memories of being a kid was watching westerns with my dad. I used to love watching them, like the old school Clint Eastwoods, John Wayne's, all that sort of malarkey. Um, and then now you watch some of them, and like obviously when Tarantino, like Django and all that, incredible. I loved um loved that, but when you watch some of these sort of like Tommy Lee Jones ones, which are just really like whimsical and they just sort of like seem to be like ages of just sort of death or someone just when basically someone's making a journey across the wild west writing wise it's an easy plot because it's just ages of them just riding across planes and they might bump into someone and it's a really innate unless they're shooting people up and that's why you know Django's so good i guess but yeah i, I do like a western that's what people say that uh the mandalorian's got that isn't it it's like a western yeah it's a bit it is a bit like that yeah i mean i i i, I don't know if you can see immediately my hackles are up. Is it heckles or no, hackles? No. As soon as you start talking about anything Star Wars, I just I'm waiting for a fucking body blow. I'm not going to. I'm just saying that, that, that that's I, that's one of the things that Mark Monero said about it. Yeah, I know. I realise it because because I am one of these people whose opinion matters absolutely fuck all to you in your life. <laughs> it matters loads. I, I, I'm one of the people in your life that whatever I recommend, whatever I suggest, you couldn't give Look. a fuck. I opened today's conversa uh, conversation by saying this hat that you picked out for me yeah. is delicious. Yeah, you like it? Absolutely amazing. The peak is perfect. It was nice. All I was actually wearing it on the uh, maybe podcast before last, and somebody, people have been asking about it. I can tell you it's the Martin Too Smooth Gumball crossover hat. And, and uh, I've got two of them that Romesh kind of gifted me. Mm -hmm. uh, they're absolutely delicious hats. Yeah. But we're not being paid to advertise this. No, no, there's no payment there. There's no payment. And also, Sadly. while we're not being paid to advertise, this is an advertisement. I'm just going to shout out Nature Can, because uh, in troubled times, when I've needed help sleeping, relaxing, with anxiety, Nature Can is there for me always. Like Merlin with Arthur or Gandalf with The Hobbits. Have you watched any of The Hobbit films? Because what you just said really does betray any knowledge or insight into that whole world i'll be honest with you i watched i watched the first, i watched the three lord of the rings movies what i did think, you think the last lord what of the rings movie i think the first one's pretty good um i think once all the cool people sort of die it's not as good uh, you know like sean bean and stuff um it's a bit of a spoiler <laughs> um uh, I when, the cool, when the cool person sean bean dies that's when <laughs> that's when lord of the rings dipped out for you is it no but I've, the last episode, I, uh, the last series, uh, film, sorry, last series, Jesus I found Christ. really agonising. I found it really like, oh, my God, just fucking. And also, like, I'm not sure if I've said this before, like, why does fucking Gandalf, why is he so resistant to use his fucking magic? So he waits right to the end. After, after like, people have been totaled and fucking killed and families are dead to go, actually, I'm going to do a trick now. And fucking, I can just wipe everyone out with one fucking thing by hitting my staff. If that was one of your family had died, you walk up and go, oh, great for that, mate. But my wife and kids died earlier. You mm. fucking prick! You could have yeah. been there half an hour earlier. I'd love that if there was a if that they had that as part. I think that might be one of the uncut scenes. If you get the DVD, <laughs> there is a bit where this sort of this elvish family go up and go, "You fucking wanker! You absolute piece of shit!" And he'd been hiding all this time. <laughs> I mean, in the end, they just get a big bird, don't they? And just throw the whip, uh, ring in the volcano. Yeah, the thing, the thing that everybody says is, "Why didn't they use those eagles earlier?" That, yeah. that's that's the, that's the it, that is one of the things in lord of the rings it's like the big question the same way that everybody thinks at the end of titanic that door was big enough for two of them to get on you know it's one of them yeah that yeah. film that last lord of the rings film just would not fucking end 
No, no, it's like four endings. Uh, like what that that bit where Frodo and that are just b- bouncing up on the bed and he's going Gandalf in slow motion. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, and he, he's jumping up on the bed and then next thing he's on a boat with Gandalf. I found I that a bit creepy. That by was the way. that thing where you see Gandalf and him go off on a yeah on a boat into the distance. Yeah, it felt a bit creepy. Who else was on that boat? I don't know. Was Gandalf, Gandalf on the boat? Was Gandalf on the boat? Gandalf was there. Yeah, he was on the boat. Yeah, yeah. I just find the whole thing a bit. Like I watched it, I went to quite an early screening of it, and I know you I did. You were, you, were, you you um you were quite excited <laughs> about it, weren't you? So you sort of. If I'm honest, when you I, I when you're hitting up, you were hitting up like all the sort of websites and stuff to try and get early dibs on tickets and stuff. You know? <laughs> one of the what I there was one bit that really touched me emotionally. I think it's in the second movie where Sam Wachowski is um. Oh, this uh, is, uh, can I tell you something? Do you know how I know that's not real? It's because because. You 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 can't stop yourself smiling before you do it. That's your problem. No, you know, you, tr- you know you know you're about to t- say something to fuck me off, right? And you can't control your excitement as you do it. <laughs> Mate, I've got very little control over any of my faculties. Samwise, Samwise Gamgee, yeah, go on. Samwise Gamgee is the same. That's what his name would be if he lived in America, okay. right? So when he and him and Frodo, Frodo's going to give up, and him Gollum, and they're in a castle. And he does this amazing... Do you know what I mean? No. I'm going to find it. I'm going to send it to you. And I'll I'll try and send... I mean, we can't put films up on here, can we? We can't put films up on the podcast? <laughs> no. <laughs> but there's a moment in the castle, right? And I can't remember because I haven't seen it for a long time. But Sam, West County, turns around and says to uh And he does this beautiful speech about... um you know, the elders and, and like when times are tough, how you get through things. And mm. even Gollum's crying. And I'm like, wow. That's that's a moment where I was like, actually, quite Sam's a pretty decent guy. Actually, yeah. Sam does a lot of the fucking uh, bad carrying in that. He does nearly all the hard work. Frodo's a moaning little bit. I actually think of me and you a bit like Frodo and Sam. Well, so... You, you so, get all so the hold, hold, hold on, hold on a minute. Before, <laughs> you've, before you went on to do that, you were about to finish the sentence, Frodo's a moaning little bitch. And then... And then all, before even finishing the word bitch, you decided to say that we're Sam and Frodo. No. It's, 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 it's fucking incredible to me <laughs> that people think that I'm the nasty one in this. No, podcast. I meant it nicely in the way that you are Frodo. No, this way, it's exactly lot. what happened. Uh, Sam does a lot of the bad carrying there. Sam does a lot of bad carrying there. Frodo's a moaning little bitch. Actually, we're like Sam and Frodo. That's what happened. <laughs> No, but I meant it in a nice way. In what but... nice way? God, what, how do you mean no, in a nice Frodo way? because Frodo has a lot of pressure on him, and he's like the sort of like... Moaning little f- bitch, you said. <laughs> yeah, no, but in a different way. I meant like he has a lot of pressure, and he's got the sort of like all the ring shit on his back and all that, and, you know, he's got a lot to deal with, and Sam hasn't got as much to deal with, but is sort of the one guy, come on, mate, bloody hell, you muck up, muck up, muscle through. You can do it. How did you enjoy our day's filming together? You know, uh, I, I realised what a hypochondriac I am this week, like massively. Well, you were actually ill though, weren't you? Yeah, well, yeah. We had a scene where I had to eat like an obscene amount of Toby Carvery. Well, we no, didn't no, have no, to no. James. The scene, the scene was that you have to eat some Toby Carvery. Now, th- this is a thing. This is a thing that's a, people don't realise a problem in acting. It's by the way, Mike. So my kids, uh, our, our eldest son, he became obsessed with Big Bang Theory, right? Yeah, and, and have you watched much of Big Bang Theory? A little bit. It's, it's a so Big Bang Theory, bit. they are eating in a lot of scenes. Yeah, yeah. Very rarely do you see anybody put any food into their mouth, right? You know, the master of that was Gaddafini in Sopranos. Oh, really? 
He's incredible. If you go back and watch it, he hardly. I think first series apparently he he, he was putting eating too much, and then yeah. if you go and watch it, he's just stirring around things around his plate, or he's just about to go and eat. And so you watch Big Bang Theory, and they're constantly they're just like twirling their forks around in the food, like like in a way. To be honest, nobody fucking does, right? Absolutely no. nobody does. But the reason they're doing that is to avoid what happened to Tom Davis. So Tom go, what happened? Do you think yeah. just quickly, by the way, do you think that's a drama school? Because me, neither me or you trained at drama school. No. Do you think there's a class at drama school to do? I mean, say they, they can't be because Laura Checkley did exactly the same thing as I did. Yeah. And Laura's like, you know, one of the but she's trained, she's a brilliant actress, she's been in a lot of stuff. So basically we get these two mountainous plates of Toby Carvery. James Defond, the director, says, Go easy on what you eat, because um because you, we could probably have to do this about. And so when you do a take, as saying you'll probably do it twenty times. Do you know so what James I mean? from doing... the James from the director is running the whole thing, has to take some time out to warn you not to eat. That's something that he has to put on his list of, of to do things. He has so to tell anyway. you just be careful with what you're anyway. Go on. But then I'm also like, I can imagine how a lot of people will be when it was almost like this is a forebearer of what's going to happen when lockdown's over. I'm there at Toby Carvery. By God, I've not had one for a year. I've missed Toby Carvery's. Mm. And I guess I got Carvery crazy, dizzy, do you know what I mean? Seduced by it. So I start in the first take, I have some beef, I have a bit of turkey, I have a bit of gammon, I have like two sausages and two roast potatoes. Have you got Have you got three meats in this? Is that part of the scene that you've got three meats? Yeah, it's true, I have meats. Okay. You can have that in a total. I mean, I'm not expecting you to. And I had a bit of stuffing, which for our vegan listeners and you, Ron, you'll find that, yeah, sexy. Um, so I've wolfed all that stuff down. Laura's done a similar sort of thing. And then James is like, right, we'll have basically, you know, remake up the plate and we'll have to do that again and again and again. So you have to do that like 20. So I had to eat that like 20 times. So you did you finish the meal? No, because they restock it every time. No, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying is how much of this are you eating each take? Uh, so yeah, like a couple of bits of beef, a few bits of gammon, two sausages, a couple of roast potatoes and some stuffing and a and bit then, of Yorkshire pudding. And then you've got to match that from then on because... Every time, yeah. So not, you're not just thinking about your lines. You're thinking about, all right, when I say this, I've got to put a sausage in my mouth. And then you're in a position where if people mess up a line or miss up, you've got to go back on that line. So, you know, then you've got to put eat another sausage. And, yeah. So my guts and my stomach the next day was in absolute... I, I had a heartburn of a degree that I generally... So I, I was very close to writing, like, goodbye letters. I thought, you know, this is, I feel my heart, but this heartburn is, I mean, when I saw you the next day, my heartburn was another level. Yeah. I was uh, like, oh my God. The, the rest of the cast get to see you eating and enjoying yourself. And then when I turn up for my day shooting, I have to listen to the fucking aftermath of it. <laughs> you make it sound you're like you're in the toilet with me. <laughs> <laughs> I had that thing with Reluctant Landlord. I thought it'd be funny if he, if whenever he's in the flat, he's eating cereal. Like he picks up some cereal yeah. or whatever. I thought it'd be just not fun. You know, like a little quirky thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It was such a fucking stupid thing to do because I, yeah. I'd pick up some cereal. I'd eat, first of all, it's a nightmare for sound because cereal's really crunchy. So you have to finish it before you do dialogue. <laughs> Secondly, the continuity would go, well, you actually put a bit of cereal into your mouth after you delivered that word, not that word. So I'd have to fucking remember yeah. the sequence of how I delivered the line and when I was put. So, and, and, and also, it wasn't good. Like, nobody gives a fuck that I was eating cereal. Nobody gives a shit. Seinfeld did the same thing, so you're good in, company, good in good company. Yeah, I know. I mean, a lot of people sort of talk about Reluctant Landlord and Seinfeld in the same breath, actually. It's not the way you swaggly, like, sort of sip a cold Coke after saying that. Was, that. That, was like a, that was like a done a funny joke on Mock the Week move. You know where they... Yeah, yeah it was so, like, 
So, so drippy. <laughs> I'm going to hit a little bit of self-deprecation, yeah? And then I'm going to take a big old swig of Coca-Cola. <laughs> um, yeah, but hyper, I'm, I'm, I realise what a big hypochondriac I am. I read a thing the other day about a woman. It was an awful story. A woman had a... Because, like, you know, when you get tired, do you get headaches and stuff and you get tired, you get mm. run down, right? Yeah, yeah. So... You've got, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so you're constantly questioning, you know, I'm testing nearly every day for corona, but then I'm con constantly just going, oh my God, is this corona? Yeah. And then I read this thing the other day about a woman who had this awful brain tube, it was terrible, and then she had a tube that grew, grew out of her eye, and she was a little bump on her eye. And I spent, honestly, and this is, I'm, you know, speaking very honestly, I spent the whole of Thursday last week convinced that my whole eye would swell up and that that was it for me. I, I, complete, I complete, by the end of the day, I was like, you know, oh, fucking hell, you know, will my wife still love me if I've got, like, this thing going out of my head? I was so worried about it because I was just completely convinced yeah. that was going to happen. The thing is, is that schedule on the King Gary is quite brutal. So, like, you're knackered. It's quite understandable. I had a thing where, um, you know, when when, when we had our, first had Theo, our, first, our eldest, it's you know, you're so paranoid about the health of your kid right and anything that yeah. they do any noise that they make you google it and if you google determinedly enough you could find a thing that tells your of kids course. your kids got minutes to live right like it's, it's just so it's just fucking consistent right so anyway one day uh, theo i can't remember how old theo was but it was lisa's first evening out right or going out and me being on my own with theo and i don't you know i looked after him but looking after a kid on your own is something lisa had done a fair bit and i'd done none of right so she goes out and she says, can you give him a bath and stuff? So I was like, yeah, all right. So I was giving him a bath and as I put him into the water, it was a bit too hot for him, right? And so he sort of like reacted a bit and I pulled him out and like sort of sorted out and cooled the water down or whatever and then put him back in, gave him a bath. But afterwards, I was convinced that he sounded a bit different, right? Like, like, uh, like the way he was crying and the noises he was making. I was utterly, I just felt like he sounds... Different. Maybe it's because of the temperature of the water's done something to him, or like you know, I've, I've like done like broken something in him or something. So I start googling it, looking up. I mean, what set of terms do you Google? Baby sounds different after hot bath. I mean, I don't know what the fuck I was googling, but I started to get really paranoid that I'd done something permanently to him. Right. So I'm sitting there and I'm freaking out with him on my lap, and I'm cuddling in, I'm patting him on the back, going, "Oh God!" Like in my head, I'm thinking, "Oh God, I've done something." And then Lisa comes back, and honestly. I handed her, she obviously, straight away she wants to hold him. I hand him to her and I'm thinking, now I've just got, got to wait for her to go, what the fuck's wrong with him? And then I've got to admit what's happened, right? So just, just like sat there, she's like <laughs> playing with him and I'm like, it's going to happen any second now. She's going to go, why have you broken our child? Right? And, 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 and it didn't, but I don't know for definite that I was imagining it. I mean, for all I know, Theo's turned out to be a completely different boy than he otherwise might have done if I'd have not given him that bath, do you know what I mean? <laughs> By the time you have the second and third, you don't give a fuck. Do you know what I mean? I just yeah, you just, just drop yeah. him in any yeah. old water. Charlie, Charlie, I just put him in a kettle. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, genuine. Your mind plays so many tricks with you, right? It. I don't know if everyone. I've got friends who just don't. I've got a mate called Dan, right? Who I've never met anyone quite like him. He just literally. He doesn't feel tired. He doesn't feel ill. He just fucking gets on with shit. Like he, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't sweat any of the small stuff at all. Like, and I like to think I'm a relatively chilled sort of person. But I massively. So I was like, this week I'm like, fucking hell! I've I've, I've worried about something new every day. 
Yeah. Like on top of what I've got already, like the real things I should be thinking of. Do you know what I mean? Have you heard I about thought, like, Have you heard about this thing called the the pain body? No, what's that? So I read this book called uh, What's it called? New Earth or something by Eckhart Tolle. Have you heard of Eckhart Tolle? Nah. So he's like this. He's like this. <laughs> so, um, so he's this guy that I don't know how to describe him, like self-help guy or something. I don't know. Anyway, one of these things he uh, he talks about being in the moment, putting yourself in the moment completely. Somebody recommended this book because I was like, I, I can't remember. I was, I was struggling with a bit of like anxiety about work or something. Anyway, I read this book. It's all about being in the moment and just enjoying the moment for what it is, completely immersing yourself in it. But one of the things he talked about was the pain body, right? And it's a weird way of describing it, but it is kind of what you're talking about. It's this thing where you're... We are, for some reason, we are programmed to find anxiety and discomfort, right? Like, like you, you will always try and look for something to worry about. You look for something to be concerned about, right? So, you know, you might be on the set of, just use an example of King Gary. You might be on the set of King Gary and you've got something going on where you've got to have a, a difficult meeting or you've got a niggle or you've got to do a tax, you've got to do a thing with your accountant. And rather than enjoying the fact that you're having a laugh on set at King Gary, what you do is you, you're basically, your brain is thinking about this thing that you've got to do. You're sort of an- anxious about it. Do you know what I mean? And so your mind is like trying to find, uh, trying to find the pain. Now, uh, as I'm talking now, uh, can you talk to the listeners? Cause I, at my door is somebody with a COVID test for me for King Gary. So, oh, well. Uh, I'm going to do Why this. Why don't you do it live on? I'm going to do it on the podcast. Right? I'm just going to go get it. All right. Let me oh, guys, this is a big, big moment. Actually, Romesh was very, very honest and true to himself there. Um, Romesh doing a COVID test is a thing of beauty because he has an incredible gag reflex. Um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know that, it's one of the facts about him that we're actually. One of you guys um, should put on his Wikipedia page. I noticed that a couple of people have jumped on there with things. So. Make sure you get doing that. Also, Ramesh uh, was saying to me this week, he is slightly upset about the fact that the pictures of the sweet soul-like have sort of dried up a bit. So let's get more of those, because actually there's some exciting news. Okay, that we I'm, are back. Getting... okay I'm back. I'm back. I can... By the way, just so you know, I've got headphones and I can hear all of that shit you were spouting. Okay. You've got... A couple of things. First of all, you've got no idea how many sweet soul-like things we're getting, because you don't check the fucking email. We're still getting loads of them. All right. Do you want to tell the exciting news about the t-shirts that are getting made? About sweet the Sweet Soul t-shirts? What t-shirts? Oh, shit. I haven't told you. So we've had some designed. Um, by, what are you talking uh, about? Mark. What are you talking about? We've got Sweet sweet Soul Romesh t-shirts that have been designed. They're beautiful t-shirts. They're crackers. Been designed by a friend of Mark McQueen, friend of the show. Um, and uh, yes, they, they, I think they're blinding. I might even put the design up and see what the appetite is for these pics, uh, the said T-shirts. What the fuck are you know? So at the moment, Ramesh, what, t- talk us through how the COVID test for any of the listeners that have never done a COVID test. So basically, uh, there's a swab and a vial, and the vial's got some sort of liquid in it, and I have got to, you put your name and your date of birth on that on that vial, and then you, basically, I, I've got a swab now, which I'm going to do now. You've got a swab, the back of your throat for 10 seconds, 
then you've got to stick it up your right nostril and then your left. Well, it doesn't matter which order nostrils you do it, but um, you've got to do both nostrils. And then it would be quite nice if, if you look right down the camera lens when you're doing it. Sure. Should we get this on camera? I mean, that's exactly, um, that's exactly what you just said, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, okay, bear with me on a second. Now, what I've managed to do is I've managed to snap the swab before using it. So, <laughs> How are you going to do it? Oh my god! Have you got a garden peg? Have you got a garden peg? I'm just gonna have to like really stick my hand out. There. So basically, there's a long oh swab that you god. break off before it goes in the vial. Look, I fucked it. Okay, ready? Oh god, this is ready? gonna be. Yeah, I am, but this is gonna be savage. Fucking hell! Your fingers are halfway down your gullet. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh God! It's completely fine. It's no, there's no discomfort whatsoever. Please ignore the noises I made there. Um, um, it's actually quite here's, lovely. Here's a question for you: On, on. set, has Chris the medic done a test for you yet? Yeah, he has. Yeah. And this is a big. I re, I like Chris the medic. He's a really good guy. Really, really sweet guy. A lot of time for him. He's very sensitive, by the way, and very sensual when he does the the test. Okay, right. uh, it's not the word isn't sensual. Okay, we talked about this when you described your dentist as horny oh, yes, or whatever yes. the fuck you were talking about. Right, no, but he's very sensitive and very alluring. No, I don't think that's right either. What's another word for sensitive? Well, sensitive would Just do. Just say sensitive. It? I mean, I don't know why you need two a pair of words for everything. Oh, hold right, on. yeah. Hold on, the guy, right. he's coming in. The Romish is going to give his little envelope back. Very slowly and sultry. Oh, I'll come out, mate. Hold on. I'll you try to do it through the window? Yeah, I can't get the bloody window open. Hold on, let me see. <sighs> Slowly, Ramesh makes his way back to the podcast. A shorter conversation than usual. Well, she's known in the delivery driver world for keeping people for longer than they need to be kept. He comes back now, so he must be in the room very All close done. to the front. All cool. done. Um, so, yeah, Chris the medic. So very sensitive with his touch, and I'd say actually one of the more sensitive people that I've given me a COVID test. Yeah. Actually, the most joyful and sensitive sort of way that I've had. A, he's really, really careful. He's really soft and gentle. I wouldn't describe it as joyful. No, but I don't. I've never gagged with him. He's like he doesn't push it so far down my throat that I'm gagging. What? No. Well, I'm just saying he shows a bit of respect, and I think yeah. He's I would say I would say that I've had I've had loads of COVID tests now, and uh, I've had them from different medics, and some of them enjoy really sort of ramming it yeah, down yeah, your throat yeah. more than others. Yeah, I think that is definitely true. Some of them just go for it, and it's just like you open your mouth, and it's just like, all right, you know, chill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They almost want to see you wince, and it's just the worst thing. Like, there's nothing like that with Chris. He, I just think that, uh, yeah. I, if anything, I'm just shouting his praises. I think what an amazing human being to be able to do that. I think that's that's one of the most incredible things with humanity is when people can learn to do things. Yeah, I think like, an incredible, another incredible thing to do is just to do your own test. That's what I do. Yeah, I quite like it being done for me. Why? I don't know. I just like the sort of like jeopardy, and you don't know what's going to happen, and sort of, yeah. You 
I find it quite morose when you do it on your own. It's quite lonely. Uh, 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 it's it's a it's a double whammy of you doing using words incorrectly there. First of all, there's no jeopardy when you get someone else to do it. Yeah, there is because you might get Chris doing it. He's really sensitive and nice, and you leave there thinking lovely thoughts about him. Or you get someone else who just rams it in your throat and just treats you like a piece of old trash. So, are you suggesting that the reason that you do that is because you sort of you see it as a bit of a gamble? You're sort of rolling the dice on it. Yeah, I guess in a way, I guess I live on the edge, a bit different. Like, you know, you're, every COVID test you get is the same. Yeah. No, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. it's that. Oh, no, no, no. People, people, actually, people, people on set were saying that. I was saying, what's it like? What's it like on Gary? And they go, I tell you what, fucking Tom, he doesn't give a shit, man. I said, why is that? <laughs> he goes, he's just a fucking lunatic. <laughs> He's such a party animal. I said, what makes you say that? He goes, he only fucking gets the medics to do his COVID test for him. you just got I'm no like, idea how no, much I've just got that Kenny Rogers gene in me, He's man. just so fucking you got crazy. You've got no to show him when, no when to hold him, baby. And I just fucking like to, I like the risk. And the, I mean, we have got the same three guys who do the test now. So yeah. it's getting like, I just know so, I was yeah. to pick Chris. So the sort of gamble was taken so, yeah. out of it slightly. Yeah. It's a bit of a cheat, I guess. Mm. Also, um, it just feels that they've got a sort of thing to do themselves a bit there, you know? Sure, sure, sure. I, I don't know what I'd prefer to do. Just sit doing nothing or stick a swab down someone's throat and then up their nose. But th- well done. Well done for giving them that gift. <laughs> Still getting paid exactly the same, whether they swab <laughs> you or not. I'd understand if they were on a commission, I'd get it. I, I'd yeah, understand. I'd talking. understand your decision. Any money, though, you'd be the first person they don't. If they were doing commission, then they'd be fucking selling the, them doing it, and you'd be talked into it, wouldn't you? If mate, if they were doing it on commission, I'd get them to do it. Yeah, no, but why? Because they make more money that way, don't they? Mm. Well, I think it's more that they talk you into it. You're quite susceptible to be sort of like. No, I'm susceptible. If somebody, if if I have to do a COVID test, and it's a choice between me doing it or the guy doing it, and he gets commission, of course I'm going to get the guy to do it. I mean, that's yeah, just I'm just like saying, also, decency, you're a bit of an easy it? mark when it comes to stuff like that. How do you mean an easy you're... I'm not paying him. If, no, if, I, quite... if I'm giving him the money, for, then yeah, that's I get it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a mug there. But... No, no, no. But there's, there's a sweet naivety to you at times where I'm like, hey, man, mate, this could be a scam. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm ta- sorry we're ta- I'm talking to somebody who regularly gets the medic to do it for him. Yeah, I know, but I'm doing uh, that. Have because... we have we switched? Have we completely one eighty on our positions on this now? <laughs> no, because I'm saying I do it like that because I'm like I don't know how he's going to be today with me, and also it's like a bit of human contact in a way, I guess. Right? Yeah. What do you with know? What you? I do. I just. I, why don't you just try talking to other people on set rather than waiting for you to get a medical swab to have some fucking human contact? How often have you brought like windows and doors and stuff from door to door salesmen? Never. What about like other? Has a door to door salesman ever sold you anything? No. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. You don't get them anymore, dear. I mean, you certainly don't get them during COVID, but does that happen? No. I d- actually, I did have a guy knock on the door from Anglian the other day asking if one of the windows done. Oh, man, we had a guy before COVID, this was, who knocked on our door and he was selling tea towels and bits and like, it was like a sort of throwback. Where the, fu- where the, the fuck do you, where the fuck do you live, man? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is selling I tea towels? I live in 1993. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> is that he clearly hadn't got the Amazon memo. He just had like a sort of car boot full of little, like that, you know, sponges and like 
tea towels. You, and stuff uh, like is this true? Is this what you're telling me? True? Yeah, 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 like such right, yeah, yeah. No, no, a no. Guy, a guy was driving around. Where I live quite tweed like that. There's a little sandwich van that goes around and stuff like that. It's very sort of, it's got that tweed sort of feel to it, you know. And I think he's you, you, live like, in a, you live in a posh area, don't you? It's not that posh. It's quite it nice. It must be. There's a guy coming around with selling sandwiches door to door. <laughs> Put door to, he comes out, he beeps his van, there's a little tune that goes. I've never had one of the said sandwiches, but yeah. yeah. I mean, Sorry, again, like an, ice, what, like an ice cream van. Yeah, yeah, but with sandwiches. And a guy comes out with sandwiches. Yeah, Like yeah, an yeah. ice cream van. That's what I have ice cream van attitudes, is so people know they're coming, mate. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you not know that? Of course, I fucking knew that. Oh, I thought that. Although it's I very, listen, it's... it's a long time since I've seen an ice cream van mobile. The only ice cream vans you see now are st- like locked up in this position all the time. Like my, down my local park, there's an ice cream van that's there all the time. Totally pointless in being a van. It's just an oh, ice cream. By the way, they're the worst ice cream vans. They're the ones I've got no time for. What do you mean? Why? Because they fucking don't care. They're just like, oh, I've got this really good spot. They're ice cream. Honestly, I bet you have an ice cream there. Obviously, you don't have ice cream because of your um, beliefs and stuff. But if... <laughs> no, but I bet... Get Theo, Charlie, uh, Alex to go down there. Buy them an ice cream. We have, done. We, have subs- done. we have done. Substandard by any chance? No, I mean, first of all, you're assuming a much more distinguished palette on my children than they've got. <laughs> the, 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 it's, it's three... I listen... I, right, if you put me in a room with fucking Heston Blumenthal and a, your three kids, and you said, who who do you trust palate better with ice cream and sweets? I'd go, Alex, Charlie, and Theo, hit me. Heston, yeah. fuck off, first mate, of you're all, done I, here. First of all, I would never put you in a room with my children. That's the first thing. <laughs> well, no, well, if, even if Heston Blumenthal was there? <laughs> to supervise, to make sure he didn't get up to anything. <laughs> Just Lisa going, why the fuck have you put him in the, in the room with those kids? Oh, don't worry, Heston Blumenthal's there. <laughs> It's pretty it's hot on a, stuff like that. Such a bizarre, bizarre sort of event. Why are they there? He wants to see what Tom's, ice cream Tom's, Tom's got this thing where he, he wants to buy something from an ice cream van, but before he does, he wants to know exactly what the situation is. So he's got Heston Blumenthal and our three boys to f- buy ice creams first, and then he wants to speak to them about what they think about them before he finally makes his purchase. I know, yes, it is It is ridiculously convoluted. And it has, taken a, it has taken a couple of hours for Heston to get down here. You're, you're absolutely right, Lisa. And yes, the boys are missing school, but we <laughs> need to know if Tom should buy this ice cream. <laughs> but that is what I'm saying. Like, their palates will be fucking so susceptible to brilliant ice cream. They, they so. are. They, there's certain things they just uh, they dislike that I'm really surprised by. Um, what like? Well, so none of our kids like baked beans. Wow, really? Yeah, that's insane. So there you go. None of the you three like... of them. Yes, one of them does. So that's what do you think I meant when I said none of them like baked beans? Oh, just like How, how's that yeah, conversation but... go? None of my kids like baked beans. What? None of the three of them? No, one of them does. One of them does. <laughs> that actually comes to think. No, two, is... two of the three of them do actually. Right, look, you know yourself as much as me because you're like got that professor's kind of vibe right shit runs downhill right so your first kid turns around and says he doesn't like baked beans mm. second kid doesn't like baked beans the third kid probably is like i'm institutionalized now even if i like baked beans i'm not going to say it i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know how you think my house operates where what the youngest one's nervous about saying that's baked beans in case he gets shanked <laughs> no, i'm just saying it's just weird that none of the three yeah. of them like baked yeah. beans. We, we, I find we're it not, insane. We, they, <laughs> I think 
You seem to think I'm running a borstal, Tom. <laughs> I just think it's insane that none of them like baked beans. I can't get yeah. my head around, especially yeah. when you're a vegan. What's that got to do with it? Well, you live off baked beans. I, I don't live off baked beans, but I do like them. Yeah, yeah I don't exactly. think I don't think there's much nicer than sausage hash browns, sort of just. In in baked beans, it's just fucking oh. delightful. Oh. Have you been having? Yeah, mate, it's one of my favourite things. I like just really buttery toast with baked beans on top. Ah, mm. oh, baked beans! I find it insane. I, I, like, I'm just racking my brains to think now of how many people I've met in my whole life who don't like baked beans. Yeah, you know, Lisa doesn't like ice cream. What? I know, mate. What's happening in your house? I don't know. Look, look, can, I tell like you can I tell you something? Can I tell you what Lisa told me? She doesn't like right, and she's and. I, I've sort of lived my life n- not quite believing it until I double checked with her, like not maybe like a couple of weeks ago, and she confirmed she doesn't like ice cream and donuts. What, mate? I mate, I know, I know. I I, I, I can't fucking. I don't that, understand. I genuinely it. find like, like I was about to say that I've, she doesn't like ice cream. She must love donuts. No, that's you where I've got you. They, <laughs> So I was going to say, I was going to, no, right, what, right, right, this is what I'm saying to you, what else is she going to eat are, if she goes to the you fair? You are so full of shit, you no, are so full of shit. Where, where, what does Lee, I'm worried about Lisa. That is man. I was literally about to say, fuck off. I was, that's how my mind works. I'm like, what? I'm worried now, right, say me, you, Lisa, Catherine and the kids go to the fair, right? First of all, and it, first of all. <laughs> Okay, yeah, fine. So we're at the fair for some reason. So we decided right, to go yeah. to the fair. Okay. Right. Oh, we're walking around. I'm like, oh, fucking, we could, like, straight away, you're ruling out all the meat stalls because Robbie doesn't like meat, right? So we can all eat together. And now you're like, ice cream vans and donut stalls are off. So basically, we're all just walking around with candy floss. Yeah, okay. And please. What I, what I would say to that, though, is the whole thing about a fair is that you walk around. There, there are no seats. We're not going into any of the stalls, are we? So, no. No. So is it feasible in this fantasy scenario where we decide yeah, to go to a fair is, We're all at the fair. I start feeling greedy because I'll probably have had a hot dog, an ice cream and a couple of donuts. Well, you wouldn't be judged for that. Well, you're the most judgy person I know in my life. Me? Me? <laughs> I'm the most judgy person. You'd be nudging Lisa going, I told you you'd be eating Lisa. No, do you know what we do? We do that thing that you do on the way home. Just fucking hell. Do you see how many hot dogs he put down? I've been to to fairs with people like that (laughs) isn't it like the judgy version of every couple and it is all of us as soon as you leave someone like you go I can't suppose any donuts left (laughs) (laughs) did you see it honestly she yeah I I think she knows as well she was looking as he was like eating that third one just like oh my god how many beers did he put away she she must realise it Well, look, I think we should do some emails, mate. Now, what I'm going to say to you about this, uh, about this, this emails is I haven't, although I've read all the emails because I read them all yeah. every day. How is Lisa getting on, by the way? So this has been our, this is her first week of picking them out herself. Cool. So wow. although, I, although I've read these emails, I haven't read the one she's chosen. I don't know what she's chosen. And okay. I su- last week, I went through them with her. This week, I suggested doing that again, and she got, she actually got quite, 
insulted by that. So oh, wow. I've completely wow. handed it over to her, but she is feeling quite nervous about this. Right? So, Well, wow. big shout out to Lisa. Obviously, we'll wait for probably a couple of months and there'll be a appraisal that both me and Romish will do. So, Yeah, and then we'll decide whether you can continue doing that or not. Okay, so first email. Uh, it's called A Wedding. I'm actually uh, really nervous for Lisa now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look what she's done. She's put M for main. And then I've got another stack here with B for bonus. By the way, and I've never done this on a podcast before. I'm pretty sure you did that last week. <laughs> you prick. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so good lovely. luck. Good luck. Lisa, I hope this goes well for you. Uh, please keep me anonymous. I have a situation that's been bothering me for a while. I'm getting married soon. I'm getting married to a wonderful woman who is a practicing Catholic, brackets white, and myself, not really a religious person, brackets come from an Islamic family. Now, as the days come out, there's only going to be 30 people in attendance. Only member of my family that is coming is my father. The rest of them don't want to know, as it's going to be held in a church and the fact that she's a Catholic. When they told me this, I felt really hurt by it, but just let it brush over me and just said it was about me and her. But recently I've been dreading the day coming up because there's going to be no representation for myself except my close friends. Not even sure if my father is coming now. Just the fear of being the only brown face at my own wedding and spoiling the day with me being miserable. Because having an Islamic ceremony is going to make me feel uncomfortable and would just satisfy the family and that's it. My family have always known me for not being religious, but this is starting to hurt. How do I overcome this? What do I do? Am I being selfish? Well, first thing I'd say, thank you, Lisa, for such a heavy one to start us off with. So... Uh, Tom, what do you think? Well, um, for me, uh, I would say I've got a sort of, we've got, I've got a Catholic side to my family. I'm not a massive, me and my parents weren't big practicing Catholics, but I've got a lot of Catholics. Uh, and I think my, I think my mum and dad had a bit of a problem with this with my grand and the fact that my grand wanted them to have a Catholic wedding. And my mum was really anti having that. And my dad sort of, I think in the end, my dad pushed not to have that. I mean, obviously wasn't alive, but. I think the biggest thing of this, and you sort of speak to people, uh, people who've been in your situation, anonymous, Mr. Anonymous, anonymous, and I think the truth of the matter is this day is for you and for, it's for your missus. It's, it's about you both. It's not about anyone else. It's not about religion. It's not, you know, and, and those things, whilst being important to your upbringing and important to your parents and important to your family, they're not important to you. And it should be said that it's not about anyone else. It, it's about you two having this perfect day that you're going to remember I would say you do not want to be looking back in years to come at wedding pictures that you're not happy with and you're not happy with the turning out of the people that are there and you're, you're slightly sort of constantly always sort of thinking, you know, I wish, you know, my dad had been there. I wish, you know, my parents had been there. I wish my siblings or whatever had been there. And I think it's it's important for you to have that conversation, not just with your family, because I think it's also on the side of your, your fiancé as well that she has to realise that, you you want to basically say to her that, that this is how you feel. You, I think you need to be honest with everyone in this situation. I think there's probably a, a middle middle ground. The truth of life is if you spend your whole time trying to make other people happy, it will have a very detrimental effect on you as a human being because you, you'll constantly be searching for that. And, and you can't make everyone happy. You can strive to make yourself happy. And in that happiness, um, yeah, that will have a nice shit. You'll feel more positive in yourself and that will have a positivity that, that sort of sheds onto others. So I think you sound like a good guy. You sound like a, you're almost being sort of completely selfless in this situation. I'm not saying to be selfish, but I'm saying uh, stick up for yourself and be a good friend to yourself on this one. As I always say, 
there you go. Uh, I actually think Tom delivered some excellent advice there. What, what, what I think is, if your family don't turn up to this wedding, then they're in the wrong here, like totally and utterly in the wrong. And you should not let that spoil your day. You, you know, you found someone you love. You are going to spend the rest of your life with this person. What you don't want is to look back on that day and allow the, the context of it, of, of what's going on with your family to fuck it up, man. So look, if they don't want to turn up, they don't want to turn up. If your dad turns up, and I hope he does, that'd be amazing. You embrace that. And, you know, you have the best day you possibly can. You have the best marriage you possibly can. It, it, you know, you've got to put all that shit to one side, man. They're in, they're, listen, I know you're going to feel bad. You're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel slightly embarrassed. Put that to one side, all right? Your family are in the wrong. You are not in the wrong. You've found somebody you're in love with and you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. They're going to regret that in the future, not you, man. So I would say what I always say to people, do you, okay? And also, mate, if, and I think we always say this, and, and I know Robert was about to say this, and I've jumped in on this one. If you're looking for numbers and you're looking for friendly faces, I know two guys who will jump on that boat very quickly and come and see you, bro. So just get in touch with the date. Okay, fine. All right, yeah, all right, we'll come. S- send us an email. Wow. <laughs> Wowzers. Hit us up, bro. I don't know where you live, where you're from, but we'll make this We'll make yeah. this work. I mean, it's, it's almost 100% certain that our schedules won't allow us to be there. But what Tom what Tom likes to do is to build people's hopes up. You know what? And now you're you do- No, no, no. no. This, is, this is a big Tom promise, yo. This is a big Tom Wolf promise. Big shout out going here, bro. Bro. If we can't make it, we will do a FaceTime with you that day on your wedding day and say it's actually, it's actually That's actually not a bad idea. Okay. So can you get in touch with us? We'll FaceTime you on the wedding or around the wedding, whatever. You want a little pet talk? We'll do that for you, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And look, what, what, uh, but, but listen, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a little FaceTime with us and you and maybe uh, your lovely wife as well. Just a private little chat to give you a little chat and, and say good luck with it all. What Tom's suggesting, I assume, is he would, I think he's talking about some sort of video wall where you project our FaceTime call to the entire wedding uh, and, and Tom sort of does a bit, I guess. Is, I would do either. Of... That's what I'm saying. No, we'll both do a bit because they want to see you do your thing. I, I um, Just as a rule of thumb, uh, I've been asked to do people's weddings before. <laughs> Never will you see me performing at a wedding. No, so, so. Okay. Uh, I thought she did all right with that one, Lisa. That was a great one, Lisa. Great one. Well done. Okay, here we go. Uh, This is quarter life crisis. Um, Lisa, little tip, little, not tip, little request. Could you write at the top of these whether they want to be anonymous or not? Because uh, it would just sort of uh, save me a bit of time. Okay. Hi, guys. Love the pod. Great laughs over the past few weeks. I thought I'd email them some advice. So first, some context. I'm a mid-twenties homeowner working in the sector I think I want to work in. I have a wonderful partner and my life is free from any afflictions or struggles. Despite all this, I feel something is missing. I've worked in the climate sector for four years now, having initially trained as a laboratory chemist. I shifted to the climate sector as over my life. It's been a growing passion and its global importance is only continuing to grow. My concern that is that I'm underqualified to work in the sector and I'm only chasing this job sector so I can affect the world around me in the most positive way possible. All my contracts are short, six to eight months at a time. 
I feel there's a burden on me to perform well all the time. My work hasn't lost its luster, but I'm exhausted and surrounded by much more qualified people. How did you guys find your passions? How did you get the motivation to keep working when days and times are tough? Big love, JLR. JLR, let me just hit this up. You've got what I'd say is, and I suffer, Ramesh suffers, you have got yourself a dose of imposter syndrome. You are an incredible person. Just just on that email, I'm like listening. I'm literally like, wow, we. We got ourselves a saint here. Like, go get the halo, Rom, because this person needs it. Like, you're an absolute legend. You're working within a sector that's doing amazing work for humanity going forward. You've jumped into it. You're a homeowner at 25. You have an amazing partner. You've got your shit. It took me until I was 40 to even get marginally close to how much you've got your shit together. Anything we care about passionately, you're going to complete, always doubt. You're going to constantly doubt. Like, let me, I'll be completely fresh and I'll be completely fucking honest. When I was scaffolding, not one day in my life did I ever question or doubt the fact I could do it. I just didn't give a fuck. It was a job. I went, I did that job. It was literally, the, I, I thought I'd be doing that for my whole life. Every day that I fucking do the job I do now, I constantly question whether I've got the ability to do it. I'm constantly riddled with self-doubt like anxiety all of these things are constantly at the fore of my brain to the fact that i just sometimes just i'm exhausted by it and that's only because i want to do the best possible job and i feel blessed to be doing this job and i feel very lucky to be working in the industry that i work in like that is why you have those feelings like it's clear to me that you you're you know it, look i would be genuinely like over the, i i just call you a friend or someone even know i go this person has got their shit together and I'll let me tell you something. Five years' time, I'll guarantee me and Ramesh are emailing you for advice because you just smashed the ball out of the D zone. You're the one. Okay. Well, some good advice there from Tom. I'm, I'm amazed that he managed to sort of choke it out over the top of your dick in his mouth. Uh, but <laughs> I would sort of, uh, I would sort of agree with him. Do you know what I mean, you're doing a good, you're doing a good thing. Um, I, I think part of the problem with uh, what you're doing is you do care about what you do. And the issue with caring about what you do is that you put your all into it, which is great, but it also is quite exhausting. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, when I was a teacher, all, almost all of the teachers I knew worked every minute that, that God sent to, uh, at their job. You know, they'd leave school and they'd be marked and they'd be preparing lessons. And there were some teachers who didn't do that. Only a hand, like maybe one or two I met in my entire career, 10 year career as a teacher. And they were, found it so much easier because they got, they knew what lessons they were doing. They weren't that worried about pushing on and they, they, they were much more relaxed about it. So, and I'm not saying those people are bad people. They've set, they weren't bad teachers necessarily, but they didn't, they weren't as, they weren't agonizing as much about it as, as most of the teachers I knew. So what I would say to you is part of that anxiety, part of that stress comes from the fact that you care so much. But that is, I would say, a much better position to be in than to be in something you don't give a shit about. If you, if you are doing a job that you really care about and you're really worried about, you're never going to be bored. And, and that's the thing that Tom and I have. We love our jobs, but that means that you're thinking about it all the time. You're agonising about whether you're doing it well enough. You're fretting about... Uh, if you deserve to be doing the specific job you're doing, all of that shit, it all come, it's all part for the course, part for, part for the course. But yeah, what I would say is I'd rather be like that than doing something I don't give a fuck about, really, is the truth. I think what Ramesh is trying to say is uh, preparing to fail is failing to prepare. 
uh, um, complete. First of all, that isn't what I was trying to say. Second of all, you said those things backwards. So. <laughs> Yeah, or the other way around. All right, Tom. This has been. I'm going to tell you something now, Tom. I fuck. I've really loved this hour with you, mate. It's been a gentle stroll through both of our psyches, and sometimes you need to do that just to feel human again. Okay, Tom. Can you can you do us the honour of taking us home, please? The March hare stood over his spoils, happy with the land that he had accrued. But there was something that damaged him and trivialized his brain. Had all of this been for nothing? The wanton lust of a field full of carrots that he'd more awed through. The jumping and hopping that he could do all over the place kind of made nothing because of the fact that he had no other rabbits to do it with. The March Hare knew that to get to the top of the tree, he'd had to stomp on some heads and crack some necks. And maybe he needed to do that to realise that actually the fact of the matter is more than a field full of carrots or just a field in general, what you need is people or rabbits in this scenario. You need other souls around you. Find your souls. They can be anywhere. You know, a rabbit could be best friends with a dog or a field mouse. A dog could be best friends with a cat or a lion. A lion could be best friends with an elephant. And so we go through all of the animals in the kingdom and back to Noah's Ark and thus... Just remember one thing. You're not an island. You are a bit of land that has other bits of land around you. And if you want to be ostracized, that's fine. But remember, you need a heart. And that heart isn't always your heart. It's one that beats alongside you. I've been Tom Davis. Remember that March Hare next time you walk away. That might be my favourite one you've ever done, mate. It really, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Really was nice. I don't think a lion can be best friends with an elephant. <laughs> yeah, I think in some ways I like to think that I like to think that we don't know enough about nature. Nature that Attenborough's yeah. holding something back, yeah. and that oh, somewhere I, there's a lion sitting with like an elephant now, now just looking at a big load of water, just saying, "If only they knew. If only they knew." Um, okay. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Tom, I'll see you for the bonus episode. We, oh, but listen, should we announce now what we're doing? Well, I think you should, Rombo. Okay, I think you so we're not... Normally, Tom and I record the bonus episode straight after the main episode, but today we've made the decision because we're going to be seeing each other in a purely COVID-tested, bubble-type way, so please don't get your fucking emails in. Uh, we're going to be doing it together for the first time. Wolf and Al in the same room doing the podcast. We'll see you then. Well, you know what? You really, really, really pumped that up. It was so pumped, and then you just lost it. And see you then. I know. So do, you, do you know? Let, yeah, me just, sorry, let me end it like this. Okay, go, on, go. On, and go on. then, uh, James, if you could put "Wrecking Ball" at the end of this, just the chorus. No, don't, please don't put "Wrecking Ball." Put it at the end. For the first time live, Rom Tom, aka the Wolf and the Owl, shall be recording the bonus episode live. They're coming in like a wrecking ball. I actually, I actually fucking love that. Uh, Hit it. All right, Tomo. See you next time. My guy. If you have a problem, opinion, feedback, or anything at all, please email us at wolfalpod 
at gmail.com. That's wolfalpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, mainly because we don't have any content ideas. Thank you.